Galatians chapter 1. We'll read verses 1 through 5. Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. You know, I want to stop right there. I didn't get a chance to preach this, and so I'm going to preach it right here. We'll have three sermons today. It is, a, it is a wonderful thing to be a servant of God. How many of you here would call yourselves a servant of God? You are not called by men to be a servant of God. I pray every day that my children will grow up to love God and serve Him. But I didn't call them. Amen? As a pastor, you called me to be pastor of Grace Baptist Church. And I'm really glad because I needed a job. All right? So you called me to be pastor, but you didn't call me to preach. God created me to do that. I was doing this stuff when I was a little kid. I was a weird kid. God, easy now. God, God called me to do this. And what a wonderful thing that is. So you know what's good? When it doesn't work out real well, I can say, God, this was your idea. Amen? Yeah, you look at these Old Testament prophets. They'd go and preach and preach and preach and nobody would respond. You understand, we wouldn't support a missionary like that now. That's one thing that Brother Otteson, our missionary to New Guinea, that was just here to translate the Scriptures. He said there's a lot of people that a lot of churches won't support him because it's going to take them years and years and years before they get a chance to lead one person to Christ. How can you lead somebody to Christ without the Bible? Isn't that interesting? And so I'm just so thankful that God has placed me in the ministry. So for all those years when it didn't seem like it was going real well, when we look around and we see all kinds of empty seats and, and all of those things, so it was up to God what was going to happen here at Grace Baptist Church. Amen? And I'm so glad that He has placed me in the ministry. Uh, are you in the ministry? Has God placed you in the ministry He's given you a ministry. That ministry, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, is He has given you the ministry of reconciliation. He's called you to call someone else to Him. That's the calling of God. Don't let anybody deter you from it. Don't let family deter you from it. Don't let employer, don't let, don't let friends. Just, just keep on preaching the Word of God to other people. All right, now, let's go on. Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the children which are and sorry and all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ and as we've learned grace and peace only come from God only come from Jesus Christ verse 4 who gave himself for our sins Jesus was not killed Amen? He gave Himself. Now, those men who did it are still responsible for their actions. That's what it says in uh, Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4. Amen? They're still accountable for that. But they couldn't have done it if He didn't let them. I was just reading an article for the Ancient Baptist Journal, and we had to pull it because this guy kept saying, the Jews killed Jesus, the Jews killed Jesus, the Jews killed Jesus. No, God killed Jesus. No man takes my life. I lay it down willingly. Amen? All right, then look at what it says. Who gave himself for our sins, and here's where we are this morning, that he might deliver us from this present evil world 
according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. That he might deliver us from this present evil world. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for the Browns training to serve you. And Lord, what a blessing it is that through the military, you moved Donnie all over the world and, and he knows what it's like to live outside the country. And you had Christy raised in Japan to where she knows the language and the culture. And then you call them to the ministry. Even before they were saved, you worked in their lives. And now you're, you're sending them. Father, I pray that you'll keep them. Help Christy through this pregnancy and help her keep her safe. Lord, protect that precious baby that's in her womb. And uh, Father, be with us as we study your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, as I started studying this text, I have, how many of you have ever heard the word deliver before? You know, you, the mail is delivered. You have all, all these different things. We've heard that word, and I decided, well, you know what? If God used it in the Scriptures in a very significant verse, maybe I ought to find out what it means. So I went to Webster's 1828 Dictionary and listened to what the, the, the definition is. To free, to release as from restraint, to set at liberty as to deliver one from captivity, to rescue or save. He delivered us from this present world. We're going to spend some time looking at this idea from Scripture of what it means to be delivered. But before we go there, I want you to hear, listen to what the root of this deliver is. Free, disengaged, to free, to peel. To peel. So it's like this. We are in this present evil world. And Jesus Christ gave himself to deliver us from this present evil world. But here's what it's like. Kristen, come here. What's your name? Uh, Nick, come here. I promise you, when I do that, I am, I am trying to come up with the name and the floppy is just spinning. All right? Okay, you turn backwards. Okay, get up against him. All right? Now keep me from, from pulling you against him. All right? <laughs> Thank you. That's what it is. That's what being delivered from this present evil world is. He has to physically peel us away from this world. I think in the rapture, some of us are going to be grabbing stuff saying, It's mine! I don't want to go! It's mine! Why? Because we are so entangled with the affairs of this life. Remember what Paul said? O wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from the body of this death? That's what being delivered from this present evil world is. It's being peeled away from it. It's just so interesting. It reminds me of when I was... I've told you about that job that I had for a couple of weeks working at U.S. Steel in Gary, Indiana. And they had this continuous conveyor that runs for miles through the plant. And they had the, a trough underneath it. And so the axle grease, the grease from the, the conveyor, would fall in with pieces of metal. And I had to clean the metal out of this trough. And so I had to put my... I had to get in this grease up to about here and reach down into it and find the metal and pull it out. That's a lousy job, folks. 
It's like 20 degrees. They have these torpedo heaters not doing a thing. It was awful. But when I would move in that grease and I would pull myself out of it, that's what it was like being peeled, being delivered from this present evil world. And you know what's interesting? When I got out of that, how many of you think I left all that grease in the trough? No. No. That's what is different from the deliverance that Jesus Christ gives us and the deliverance that we can give. Let's say that I ran a a rehab clinic. All right? I could, uh, if, if I had the proper training, teach people how to overcome their addiction. But when are they going to be over that addiction? When they die. But how many of you have ever been released from something like that through the power of Jesus Christ? Amen? See, that's the difference. We can put new clothes on the man. Jesus Christ puts a new man in the clothes. That's the difference between the deliverance that Jesus Christ gives. So this morning, we're going to look at this idea of what does it mean to be delivered by Jesus Christ from this present evil world. The first thing is to be set free. To be delivered is to be set free. So let's go to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Some of these passages will be familiar. Some of them will be new. John chapter 8. Look at verse 32. Now, let's start reading in verse 26. I have many things to say and to judge of you. But he that sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. Now, when they lift him up, what, what was that? When you have crucified me. And remember when Brother Faggart preached that message to us from Psalm 22? He demonstrated to them through the, the, the prophecy of Psalm 22 that he was the Son of God. He was prophesying that right here, that that was going to happen. Let's read on. Uh, verse 29. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. As he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then... Are you my disciples indeed? So we we have a discipleship ministry here at Grace Baptist Church. Now, here's the deal. Every person in this room is invited to be discipled. All right? It's not the chosen few. If you are here, we want you to grow in God's Word. We have men and women that are trained to ground you in the Word of God. So if you would like to be a part of our discipleship ministry, there's a card in the pew. If you'll fill that card out, just give it to us at the end of the service. We will assign you a discipler. Ladies, you'll get a lady. Men, you'll get a man. A man. And we want you to grow in God's Word. Why? Because we want you to continue in His Word. If you continue in His Word, then are you a disciple? Indeed. If you're not interested in the Word of God, you're not a disciple. Let me try this again. If you're not continuing in His Word, if you're not interested in His Word, then you're not a disciple. 
You might be a believer, but you're not a disciple. All right? Remember what Jesus Christ said, Come unto me for salvation. Come after me for service. Don't confuse the requirements for salvation with the requirements for discipleship. All right? Then, let's go on. Let's, let's read verse 32. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So he has delivered us, but how has he delivered us? Through the truth. And that's where understanding what the Bible says is so vitally important to us. Amen? Okay, everybody, we've all seen a baby go out before. Stay focused, grasshopper. All right? This is the only way that a person can come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and be delivered from this present evil world is through the truth of the Word of God. And that's where you have a real problem, man. If you go to a church where the Bible is not preached, where they don't stand up every week and just spend time diving into this Word, that's not the truth. There may be some truth in it, but not life-changing truth. The only way you're going to be delivered from this present evil world is through the truth. That's the only way that you can be made free. Look down at verse 36. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Uh, think about this. How many of you saw the pictures in Iraq after they had had their first election in years of those people holding up their blue finger? Remember seeing that? And what were, they, what were they doing? It's the first time in their lives they'd ever been free. But unless they knew the redemption of Jesus Christ, the salvation of Jesus Christ, they are not free indeed. They're free for a little while, but they're not free indeed. Uh, in June, I'll be going to uh, Lebanon, and there'll be pastors there from Iraq, from Iran, from Syria, from Jordan. And what I'm going to be doing is just teaching them how to teach the Word of God in a church. How many of you think people in Iraq need to know that? Now let me ask you this question. Where are those pastors in Iraq going to learn it? Shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. And then Jesus Christ said, He'll make you free indeed. Do you know what that is? Do you know another word for that? He'll deliver you. He'll deliver you. Free indeed. Look at... Um, Romans chapter 6. Let's get a little bit more information on this. Y'all doing okay this morning? Amen. Romans chapter 6, chapter 6, verse 17. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin. So what does that mean? You're a slave to sin. You had to sin. You're the servant of it. But God be thanks that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. All right, so here's what happened. The Apostle Paul delivered the gospel message, the doctrine of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ according to the Scriptures, that doctrine. He delivered it to these people, to the Romans, all right? So they have had that delivered to them. And here's what happened. They believed, they obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine. Verse 18, being then made 
free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. See, there are a lot of people that think that they're doing good, but they're not. They're not doing good. You, everybody look up here for just a second. It's very hard to preach when I look out and people are doing this. Look, we're looking at the words of Scripture. This stuff is so true. It's so real. And I got to tell you, if it's not real to you, if you really don't care, you might not be saved. Or you're so far from God that you can't hear His voice anymore. You check your heart. If you're not interested in the Word of God, if you're just here for a religious exercise... Now, look, I'm a flawed preacher. There are a lot of guys that communicate the Word of God better than me. But we come into this place hungry for God's Word. Amen? So help me out. Is it too warm in here? Is that the problem? No? Is it too cold in here? Is it just right? All right. So now, let's, let, I, want, I want you to see this. Look at what the text says. But thanks be to God, verse 17, that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Now, this form of doctrine, here's where this becomes so important. It's not the form of doctrine that you want it to be. Doctrine is God's truth in God's words. It's not just teaching. It's God's truth in God's words. If you happen to have an NIV Bible in your lap, the, the word doctrine is used 54 times in the Bible. In your NIV, it's only used five times. It's been removed. So you don't understand the difference between just what somebody has said and doctrine. This is doctrine, God's truth and God's words. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ according to the Scriptures. That must be obeyed from the heart. All right? When that happens, you are made free. Verse 18. From sin, you become the servants of righteousness. A lot of people think they're serving God. A lot of people think they're doing right, but they've never been born again. So they are only servants of sin. Is that what the Bible says? Until you're born again, you cannot be a servant of righteousness. You must be born again. Then you're delivered. Then look at what the Bible says. Look at verse 22. But now, being made free from sin... Ye become servants to God. Ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end, everlasting life. You know what's interesting? You know what the Bible says? When you're free, when you're free, then you have fruit unto holiness. When you're saved, there's something that's going on in your life that demonstrates holiness. Is that what the Bible just said? Yeah. Now, are there people that get saved... You know, you have the opportunity to give someone the gospel. You never see them again. They never have the opportunity under the preaching and teaching of God's word. They might not grow because they don't have that opportunity. Are they still saved? Yes. Salvation's not a process. It's an exchange that happens at a point in time. Amen? But I'm just telling you, if you're in this room, you come to church week after week after week, you're, you're here and you have zero interest in God, you have zero interest in serving God, you have zero interest in submitting to the Word of God, you better check out whether you're saved or not. Amen? Pastor, that's mean, man. That, like the preacher said this past week, is the doctor mean when he tells you you have cancer, you need to get that out of your body? 
I want you to go to heaven. If there is no spiritual life in you, if the only thing that makes you happy in church is when we can sing, And then when the preaching starts, you're gone. You might not be saved. We need to make sure that we have been delivered. That we've been delivered. If you have no appetite for the Word of God, no appetite for the teaching of the Word of God, you need to make sure that you know God. All right, so now let's go on. Look at Romans chapter 8. Verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. What does no mean? Anybody here saved? Are you saved? Anybody here in this room saved? No condemnation. There is no chance that you're going to be condemned. None, 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 none. If you are born again, you're going to heaven. The condemnation is gone. Here's the idea. Jacob, come here. Jacob is my son. Most of the time I claim him. Come here. Okay, Jacob's my son. I'm just telling you right now, there is nothing this boy could do that would cause me to reject him. Nothing. I might beat him like pancake batter. <laughs> I might ride him like sea biscuit. But there is nothing. There is nothing that will stop him from being my son. So what do I do? I love him, so I chasten him. Amen? <laughs> like he's going to disagree right now. But the last time he was spanked was, I don't know, five years ago or something. There's other ways. We have ways of making you obey. Why do I do that? Because I love him. I love him more than my life. What does a father do? Who he loves, he chastens. I'm not going to kill him. Don't you listen to that, because I might. <laughs> I'm not going to kill him. Why? I love him. I'm, I'm, I'm going to chasten him. Thank you, Jacob. See, that is what it means for there to be no condemnation. There is, therefore, now no condemnation. Okay, so now, what do you think no condemnation means? Okay. You know what it means in the Greek? No condemnation. All right. There is, therefore, now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. How do you get in Christ Jesus? You get saved. You, you obey in your heart the doctrine of that has been given from the Word of God. You receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. You are born again. All right? So then, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You can't walk after the Spirit until the Spirit is in you. We just saw that in Romans 6. Some people take this to mean that if you walk after the Spirit, then there's no condemnation. Well, the way I understand it, no condemnation comes before walking after the Spirit. That's the only way you can walk after the Spirit is when there's no condemnation. All right? Verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. 
I'm, I'm not on probation. I don't have to go to my probation officer. Amen? I am free. There's no halfway house in the church of God. I am free from the law of sin and death. What does that mean? I've been delivered. I've been delivered. He gave Himself to deliver us from this present evil world. He gave Himself for our sin. Okay, I spent way too much time on this first point, but let's, let's finish this. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And then here's what we're supposed to do. Because of that, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Remember when I was a little kid, I got scared real bad when I was real little in the water, and so I was always afraid to swim. Uh, I was afraid I was going to drown. And so I, I was just afraid of being in deep water. So my parents made me take uh, swimming lessons. They're just mean, evil, cruel people. And... Uh, <laughs> So I'd take swimming lessons, but I was always afraid. You know, if I'd get weak out in the water, I was still afraid of drowning. And uh, and I remember one time I was swimming across this huge pool. It was it was it was like a pond that was a cement pond. You know, it was you know. So anyway, I, I'm out there <laughs> swimming, and I was getting real tired, and I started to get real nervous. And I think it was my brother that said, stand up. (laughs) All I had to do was put my feet under me and stand up. And I was fine. Now, am I the only person that ever did that? Is there anyone else here that experienced something like that? My father-in-law, hallelujah. (laughs) One person. Okay, that's what this is talking about. Man, you get out in that world... And you get covered, you start to think, you know, has anyone here sinned since they got saved? Anybody? Yeah, yeah, three? Okay, the rest of you are liars? Okay. So you get out in the world and you start thinking, well, wait a minute. How could Christ love me? Stand up. Stand up. Stand fast. That word fast, it means fastened to a pitching deck. Like you fasten the cargo down on a ship. Stand Fast in the liberty. I'm free. You know, there are prisoners when they're, when they're let loose. Many of them, they don't know how to be free. They, they don't. It's been so long. They're waiting for somebody to wake them up and give them their food and tell them when to go to bed and do all. They don't know how to be free. That's, the, that's what happens with us. We've been so entangled in sin when we're made aware of the guilt of our sin. We struggle in it. Stand fast in the liberty. That's what it means to be delivered. You are free. You can run. You're free. You're free. Okay, so then, so to, to, to be delivered is to be set free or to rescue or save. Look at Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18, verse 11. For the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. He's here to save you. He's here to rescue you. Why did Jesus Christ come? Because we were lost. He came to find us, to rescue us and save us. Look at Matthew chapter 27. I want you to see this idea of being saved. 
this, if you would, mark all of the times you see the word save or saved in this passage. Very interesting. Matthew chapter 27. Let's start reading in verse 37. And let's look at verse 34 just for the context, okay? They gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there, and set up over his head his accusation written, This is Jesus the king of the Jews. Then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and another on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. How many of you are glad Jesus didn't save himself? Save thyself. Look at verse 42 or verse 41. Likewise, also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders said, he saved others himself. He cannot save. Oh, he could. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now. If he will have him, for he said, I am the son of God. Now understand, God is, God is listening to that. God the Father. They're challenging whether God the Father could save God the Son. Verse 44, the thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there, when they heard that, said, This man calleth for Elias. And straightway, one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, Let be. Let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. See, to deliver means to rescue or to save. Jesus Christ, by giving himself, chose to save us rather than save himself. See, this idea of being saved, what I want you to see right here, what Jesus Christ endured, that's what he's saving us from. The, the, the weight of sin that was placed on Him. He who knew no sin was made to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. You see, that's what He saved us from. He saved us from death. He saved us from that eternal suffering and torment of sin by not saving Himself. When it says He came to deliver us from this present evil world, He gave Himself for our sins so that we could be saved. Praise His holy name. He delivered us.
He delivered us. Look at um, Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7. Verse 25. Hebrews seven twenty-five. Speaking of Christ, our high priest. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come to God by Him, seeing He ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such an high priest became us. Do you see that? This is the high priest that we have. He became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those high priests, to offer up sacrifice. Look at this. First for his own sins, and then for the people's. For this, the sacrifice, he did once when he offered up himself. Now look, I'm sorry. I hope this doesn't offend anybody. Jesus Christ is not sacrificed every time the Mass is made. He died once. Is that what the Bible says? I don't care what any man says. He did this once for all so that we can be saved to the uttermost. What sin is it that He can't save you from? What sin is it that will cause you to lose what He's died done for you? He has come to rescue and save. How about this? This is the second definition. To utter, to deliver. To utter, to pronounce, to speak. To send forth in words as to deliver a sermon, an address, or an oration. I am delivering a sermon today. Well, what does that have to do with our salvation? Well, look at Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. He delivered us. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness... And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So you confess, Jesus Christ, you are the Son of God. You lived a sinless life. You you died on the cross for my sin. You rose from the dead. Uh, I confess that and I believe it in my heart. It's not just repeat some prayer after me. Abracadabra. Amen? Amen. All right. For the Scripture saith, verse 11, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. Now, for us, that's just simple. You understand for the Jews how offensive that is? There's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. The same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon Him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Isn't that a great verse? How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Will you mark in verse 15 for me? Except they be sent. Except they be sent. We're going to come back to that. Verse 16. But they have not all obeyed the truth. In other words, not everybody is saved. Amen. Would you all agree with that? They've not all obeyed the truth. For Isaiah, that's Isaiah, saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? 
So then faith cometh by what? And hearing by the Word of God. So our deliverance comes by the Word of God. To, to deliver a sermon, our deliverance comes through a specific medium. Let's find out what that is. Look with me at First uh, Peter. Chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. And look at verse 23. 1 Peter 1 verse 23. Being born again, and not of corruptible seed, but of an incorruptible. What does it say there? By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Now, let me get your attention here for just a minute. A couple of things. How many of you are glad that you're saved? How many of you believe that you're saved forever? Only if this book endures forever. See, this is where the doctrine of preservation is so vitally important. Either we have the Word of God or we don't. If we don't have the Word of God, then we cannot be saved. Because we are born again by an incorruptible seed, which is the Word of God. And that Word liveth and endureth forever. If it doesn't endure forever, you cannot be saved. And people have this whole this idea, you know, we spend a lot of time on, on the authority of Scripture. We spend a whole lot of time here on the preservation of Scripture. We believe that God preserved His Word in the English language in this King James Version of the Bible. We believe that based on a simple thing. Things that are different are not the same. If two books claim to be the Word of God and they say two different things, one of them is wrong. Either he preserved his word or he didn't. Now, now listen, don't mistake me. There are lots of people who use other translations of the Bible who are saved. Don't walk out of here saying that you can only get saved through a King James Bible. That is not what I said. But the idea that leads to other translations of the Bible and people correcting the word of God is that we do not have the preserved words of God. If we don't have the preserved words of God, we do not have salvation. But the Bible says that we were delivered from this present evil world. And that idea of being delivered, we were delivered by the word of God. He delivered a sermon to us. Amen. Keep your place there in first Peter where there's another. I like this one. There's another meaning for deliver. What does Dr. Reed do for a living? He delivers babies. Anybody know where we're going? We were delivered from this present evil world. How? Here we are. First Peter 1 verse 23. Being what? Born again. Born again. You see, I could try and make... <laughs> Let's go. Come here for a minute. <laughs> He's got family here today. 
Chad looks nice today, doesn't he? Amen. See, I still have work to do. Here's Chad. I could, by becoming his friend, build his trust to the place, if I worked hard and for years, to get him to change things about himself through my influence. How many of you have ever had a friend, saved or lost, that you changed because of that friend? Right? So that's possible, right? But I can't make him a new man. I could make him like me, which would be much better. Oh! <laughs> okay, I could make him like me, which would be different. But we're both just sinners. I'm not any better than him. He's not any better than me. We're just people that Jesus Christ has saved. Being, see, I, I can make him different. Only God can make him a new creature. Born again. Born again. Thank you. How many of you, how many mothers do we have here? How many of you would like for your child now to enter again so that they could be born again? Any volunteers? No. No. Somebody said that giving birth feels like taking your top lip and pulling it up over your head. And that's when they're this big. Imagine when they're that big. And isn't that what Nicodemus said? Can a man enter again into his mother's womb? And what did Jesus Christ say? No. He must be born of water, physical birth, and the Spirit. What happens then? You're delivered from this present evil world. Man, is it, do you see how specific the language of Scripture is? How it defines exactly what God has done. Then I like this one. To exert in motion. What does that mean? It's like to a missile delivery system. Right? To exert in motion. It's to get us moving. That's what God has redeemed us for. That's what He has delivered us for. He has delivered us from this present evil world to do something. Can, can we look at the Scripture? Okay, here we go. Look with me at John chapter 14. Or John chapter 20. Let's go to John chapter 20. John chapter 20 and verse 21. Then Jesus said to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. Romans chapter 10. Remember we marked this a minute ago? Romans chapter 10, verse 15. And how shall they preach except they be sent? Okay, Tristan, your turn. Come here. Here, get right here in front of me. This is what it means to be delivered. Amen? 
and, and honestly, many of you, I wish I could do that. Jerk you to the altar. Jerk you out into the world. Go tell somebody! <laughs> Go! See, that is what it means. How you doing? You alright? You're back okay? Alright. That's what it means. Thank you. You can rest, my son. That, that's what it means to be sent. To deliver. See, we haven't just been delivered from something. We've been delivered to something. Well, how are we going to do that? Every Baptist favorite line. Here's our last point. Last definition. To put into another's power. So it'd be like delivering a prisoner from one authority to another. What did Jesus Christ do for us? John chapter 14. John chapter 14. And verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. John chapter 16. Remember, this is to put under another's power. Deliver. John chapter 16. And look at verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the Prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he... The spirit of truth is come. He will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. What is he doing? He is saying, I'm going to go away and I'm going to leave you under the power of another. Amen? And that's exactly what he did. Can we demonstrate it with one last verse? Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. His disciples were so confused and now he has been crucified, resurrected. He has come and eaten with them and revealed himself to them. And look at what he says in verse 45. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my father unto you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem 
until you be endued with power from on high. You see, Jesus Christ said, I'm going to deliver you. Part of that deliverance is turning you over to someone else for a little while until He returns. Have you been delivered? Have you been delivered? How are you doing? Are you still stuck to this present evil world? Does, do you have to have a come along to get you out of the world and into the Word of God? Do you love His Word? Do you love Him? Are you free? Are you free? See, i got to tell you, there are lots of saved people that are still really entangled in the world. Amen? Don't be one of them. Be delivered. Be, stand fast in that liberty. Experience that freedom, that deliverance. And understand that you have been placed under the authority of the Holy Spirit of God. He'll teach you all things. He'll help you, te- he'll help you teach someone else. He'll te- help you understand the Word of God. He'll reveal your, your shortcomings to you. Eh. But there's no condemnation. If you're born again, if you're not, this is the best it's ever going to get. If you've never been born again, this is the best that you can ever hope for. Live it up. Eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow you die. And you'll spend an eternity without Christ. In a place of eternal torment called hell. But he came, he gave himself for your sin to deliver you from this present evil world. Are you thankful for that this morning? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your...